Hi, it's Jamie, progressive number one, number two employee. Leave a message at the... Hey, Jamie, it's me, Jamie. This is your daily pep talk. I know it's been rough going ever since people found out about your acapella group, Mad Harmony, but you will bounce back. I mean, you're the guy always helping people find coverage options with the Name Your Price tool. It should be you giving me the pep talk. Now get out there, hit that high note, and take Mad Harmony all the way to nationals this year! Sorry, this is pitchy. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Right now, you can get both Sprint's unlimited plan and the all-new Samsung Galaxy S10 included for just $35 per month per line for five lines. All you need is approved credit and 24-month installment billing. No trade-in required. Visit a Sprint store, Sprint.com, or call 800-SPRINT-1. Phone $15 a month after $22.50 a month credit. Apply within two bills. If cancel early remaining amounts due, unlimited basic after 630 20 Pay $32 per month per line for five lines with auto-pay data deprioritization during congestion. Speed maximums, use rules, and restrictions apply. listening to Uncle Sam's Soccer Podcast, keeping you up to date with the latest in American soccer. And don't forget to subscribe. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Uncle Sam's Soccer Podcast. My name is Steven Joderant. Joining me, as always, are Monka Fai and Jake Watroba. On today's episode, we speak with MLSsoccer.com analyst in front of the show, Bobby Warshaw, on why MLS teams fail in CONCACAF Champions League. Now, before we get to today's discussion, make sure you follow us on the Twitter machine at Pod. You can find the show on any major podcast platform so subscribe to it and leave us a five-star review now let's get to today's show Alrighty, fellas let's get straight into it on the line with us from the show mlssoccer.com mls analyst bobby warshaw bobby how's it going did the hour forward hit you a little hard this morning uh, not too hard, but only because we were at work last night, and that forced me to go straight to bed. But thanks for having me, guys. It's always a pleasure to come on. Let's, let's dive right in. Um, we have New York Rebels down 2-0 to Santos Laguna. Houston's down 2-0 to Tigres. SKC's down 2-1 to CAI, and Monterey whacked Atlanta 3-0 uh, earlier last week. What the hell is going on? Why can't MLS teams perform in CONCACAF Champions League? <laughs> okay. So I'll start off by saying I don't have a great answer, but I do think that there's some points that need to be made to frame the conversation properly. Mm. Right? Because it's not just like MLS got waxed. It wasn't just like straight up these Liga MX teams smacked the MLS teams or Independiente from Panama outplayed SKC. So you start at Red Bulls, right? Red Bulls were the better team. If you watch that game over 90 minutes, Red Bulls – I don't want to say dominated the game because it's not like they absolutely crushed Santos Laguna, but they were the better team, right? They were the team that looked better drilled, that had the better game plan, that that generally controlled the game, but Santos made two incredible plays. You know, and there's a question, are what Red Bull's trying to do stylistically at odds with them having the talent like Santos to make the plays? Because Red Bull has gotten to good spots, I didn't execute. And you could, Houston were great for the first 75. Would Tigre score in the 80th? 
Like, it's not like Tigres dominated that game and it was literally going to be 2-0 like we often see. Same with Atlanta. You know, Atlanta probably wasn't even with Monterey, but it felt – one nothing felt right for 80 minutes, and then they fell apart in the last 10 minutes, um, which I think is a really important way to think about this. It's not like Tigres – or it's not like Monterey – you know, dominated Atlanta 3 nothing. It's not like Tigres dominated Houston and there's this huge gulf. It's just these these little things within the game, which actually brings me to SKC, who, yes, they lost in Panama, but I thought they were, I thought they were absolutely fantastic. And particularly the way they managed this game. And look at Toronto when they went to Independiente, right? That game, they're down 2 nothing. They chase it on the road. They end up going down 4. But in Toronto, they crushed Kai. Right, they were the way better team in a sandbox. Yes, mm-hmm. they lost, but again, because they were chased in the game, which leads us to SKC. They manage Champions League properly. It's two legs. It's home and away. You have to understand the moments in games when you go for a goal, when you and when you just survive. And Houston and Atlanta didn't do that properly. So it's not to say that they were outplayed. They just didn't manage the tournament properly, which uh, I think is an important distinction to make. Pavi, I kind of am I right or wrong there? Yes, so I kind of I kind of agree with you. I mean, with the the management part, because the Atlanta game uh, when they're playing Monterrey, at one point I mean it was one zero going into the seventieth minute, uh, and at one point I think people actually after game made kind of the uh, comparison to when Red Bull was playing Atlanta in the first leg of the uh, Eastern Conference final when Red Bull was trying to push really hard for those goals and end up getting exposed. Mm-hmm. I think on. Uh, Villalba's goal really laid on to like that almost basically sealed the deal, or that did seal the deal for them. I, I, the, I think the management is a, a really important aspect. And I was going to ask you, you know, about how how do you think Atlanta managed that, that match in terms of, hey, look, like, do you think they should have done something more differently in terms of, hey, look, we should take maybe 1 0 or maybe even 2 0 back to Atlanta to the bends and go from there? Like, do you agree with what DeBoer did in that instance? Okay, so the other thing that I want to point out before we dig too deep, right, mm-hmm. is we do have to acknowledge that Monterey still spends like oh, yeah. as much money. Oh yeah, and they're they're a better team. Okay. Yeah. I, I don't I don't know how to qualify a better team, but just like the most raw indication of what makes a team good or bad, like uh, they still spend, if not twice as much, like 190 percent, right? Yeah. Um, so that's yeah. worth quantifying. And I don't know if it's as much substitutions yeah it was weird that he didn't put Vialba on although with how horrible Vialba was against DC I think it makes a little bit more sense um it was weird that he didn't make an extra you know a couple more subs um but I do think that it's a little bit more about the the understanding and the collective feeling of the players in the game and you know to provide an example right like at some point you just stop telling your outside backs to go forward at some point you top you stop telling your uh, you know your center mid to make the late runs into the box um, at some point you don't try and build from like your own back channel. You just get it forward. Even if you're the most possession team in the world, like you just understand that there's a point in the game when you make these adjustments to limit your risk. And I think if we were to ask Michael Parkhurst or Brad Grizan about these things, they could on this phone call tell you the logic and that it's what should be done. And yet there's just this collective feeling on the field that prohibits, I don't want to say prohibits, but I don't know, keeps players from doing that. Um, just because they feel this urge to keep going. Um, and I don't know how you how you create that collective feeling of, all right, let's shut this game down if it doesn't come from your preparation of the coach, which more than the subs does make me think that Frank DeBoer is a little bit liable for what happened. Bobby, here's my problem is when you were if, – if you take just a soccer casual fan 
mm-hmm. and you look at it and you look at the score lines, it's not good. But the record just since two thousand and eight nine, and I know Concacaf have have redone the format where it was the elimination of group play, so it starts out with the knockout stages. So this happened last year, but twenty nine out of fifty four teams have made it to the quarterfinals, and then nine out of fifty four teams have made it to the semifinals, and that's excluding what happens, uh, you know in the second legs of the quarterfinals. So we don't even know if another MLS team is going to make it. All of them are down on aggregate. I think the money's more in KC to come back and push into the semis. But overall, it's just not good. What What is the fundamental thing that MLS can't get in their minds to push further? Is it just money spent? Is, is that the biggest issue? Fair. And I don't know exactly how to quantify this or explain it. But one thing I have to remember is that MLS, and this will drive fans crazy, but MLS is, is a viable business for investors, right? They're not going to lose money, whereas the Liga MX teams are. So as a fan, I think we can all say it'd be nice for, for owners to invest. But from everything I understand, like the people that own Tigres and Monterey lose money on that enterprise. And I think that there's also a part of reasonable human beings to say, you know what? I get that a person, you don't need to make money on your sports team, but you also don't want to lose millions and millions. Um, and I think that's something like rational people need to understand that at some point MLS will get there, right? They will, they will be willing to able to invest the 90 million into their team without losing, you know, some X amount. But I do think there's some like, you know, reasonably people have the obligation to understand and say, okay, I wouldn't want to lose all that money. I respect the Tigres and Monterey and whoever else and, and Man City, whatever teams are, are doing that, that's fine. Um, but we shouldn't blame people for not wanting to do that. Um, and the, the last part is that, one thing we learn every single year from CONCACAF Champions League is that the margins are tiny, right? Like the margins between Toronto and Independiente, Herediano and Atlanta. And if you don't show up ready to play in soccer, like the difference between the top team in the world and, and not a top team is like 2%. And if you show up 2% less focused, I don't know, I made up that number, but you get the idea. Uh, so it's the, fact that, it's the fact that Atlanta and all these teams have the capability of beating League MX teams. And for me, the difference is understanding how to manage situations in a two-legged tie and understanding what is the right decision in any given uh, game state of that two-leg tie no bobby does that answer the question is that is that well, a fair answer no yeah. but i was gonna ask you what about travel does travel because america is so big and you have these you know some mm-hmm. clubs you have weekend play and you're on the road and then you travel this is travel an actual issue where this legs are tired and then you're having the travel to mexico where the weather is just completely different for sure, it is. And that's important like, to point out that Liga Mekis teams do have the advantage because they're at altitude, mm-hmm. right? It's harder to go from Kansas City to altitude than it's from altitude to Kansas City. Um, but this is part of managing the two legs, right? Like, mm-hmm. understand that you had to travel, but then they have to travel too. But, uh, so, yeah, it, 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 sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, but if we're managing two legs, wouldn't MLS playoffs in the format of MLS playoffs over two legs help these teams be successful in understanding what it takes to play tournament football? Mm-hmm. Yes, and what I would just say is that CONCACAF Champions League is harder and the margins mm-hmm. are finer. That okay. I'm not sure that MLS teams have done it properly throughout MLS playoffs, but like the number one thing about when you go up in levels in soccer is that you just get punished for more, right? When the margins are that small, every marginal mistake is more likely to get punished. No, I mean, I think, I mean, that's a fair point. Armand, what were, what were you going to say? Well, I mean, 
I like didn't realize this, but you actually played in CCL, Bobby. Like I, I actually remember. I did yeah. Yeah yeah. So can you tell? I mean, so you, you have the experience. Obviously, it was a little bit different dynamic. You know, eight years ago. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I forgot who it was that came on the show, but it was like five years in U.S. soccer is like thirty years. Like it's like insane. Like the the jumps that are made. Um, but tell us, you know, tell us, you know, like an average, you know, CCL away game. Like I, you're on the bench against Pumas, like. Can you tell us about mm-hmm. that and like h- how that was, or you know, even uh, the uh, yeah, retur- uh, even maybe against Taro and Panama. Yeah, so I think our first game we had to qualify, right? So you, we had the a home mm-hmm. and away home and away series with a team from El Salvador, and we were Ali- down there Alienza, first. Alienza, yeah, yeah, and we go down first, and you get off the plane, and there's soldiers with machine guns waiting for you to escort you to the bus, and they stay outside the hotel. And you're at the hotel and they tell you basically like you're not allowed to leave the hotel. And if you leave the hotel, make sure you don't turn right outside the hotel. Uh, and then you get escorted by these soldiers and their police cars to the game. Um, so it's not to say that that's not like a statement about El Salvador or some of these places of the country is just the shock to the system. Um, you get there and that game might have been in the spring. But then when we did play Taro, I think we lost three nothing. We fielded kind of a second weekend team. We thought we were going to go through. That's a whole nother story. Um, but we get there and like, they didn't turn on the air conditioning for us. Like their air conditioning works in their locker room, but not ours. Um, so we're sitting there in the middle of summer in Panama, like waiting to go out to the field in like 110 degrees and this like all white cement locker room. So yeah, every time we went down and something happened in Bumas, which like I probably will never be allowed to talk about. Um, but we had a similar situation there that was like, this is the kind of stuff that would just never happen anywhere else. Um, yeah, there's these shocks to the system that make it unique. But what I also want to point out is that there's also shocks to the system in every cup game, right? Like in Open Cup, it was the same, you know, playing for an MLS team, playing like an amateur PDL team, or in one of Norway and Sweden, playing like fifth division teams. Um, every cup game, when you go on the road to these like weird turf fields where like there's stadium and crowds, but like not really. Um, so every single one of these games is weird. And I wish I could quantify that for how much it matters, except to say that it matters a ton and it's almost inexplainable. Bobby, you just mentioned matters. And when I watch an MLS team host a CCL match, the stands are half empty. What what do we need to do to make sure those those stands are full with fans? Like, like it seems like there's mm-hmm. not any importance put on CCL in ter- uh, for the uh, average mm-hmm. MLS fan. Well, for one thing, they're cold as hell, right? Like, you look at Toronto and Kansas City, those, those places are freezing cold. And it's just a, it's a truth throughout sports that outdoor stadiums and weather matter, right? Like, people don't go to games in Miami when it's super hot. Uh, so that's one thing that's just – and two, it's important. Like, those, state, those crowds are also much bigger. I mean, you remember what it was like in Dallas when I was – like, we literally have 30 people to a Champions League game hmm. um, yeah. when it wasn't Pumas or Tigres. And now there's, you know, a couple thousand. So it's also important to acknowledge that, yeah, it's frustrating there's not more people, but it's also grown somewhat exponentially in five years. Does it bother the players that, you know, the stadiums are half empty, even in MLS play? Yeah. I wouldn't say it bothers. Like, nothing really bothers players because they're just there to do their job and get paid. But it's definitely like, hmm, this something feels off about this, if that makes sense. Jealousy that, you know, you – yeah. play for for a club that i'm not gonna name any club names um 
I could if I really wanted to. But you play for a cl- not you personally, but you play for a club in MLS that off has you know fifteen to twenty thousand. Then you go to Atlanta where it's fifty plus. You go to KC and it's rocking. LAFC, Seattle, other places where it's just packed, and you know you feel like your home field advantage is so much less than theirs. Um, I would say it's just a jealousy that you're not playing on that for that club, right? Right. I don't think it's like the single entity you show up. And you're like, man, I wish I played in front of this many people. It's a little bit more like, uh, man, I, I just wish I had this every single day, if that makes sense. I mean, there's definitely an understanding that some clubs and some fan bases are better to play for it. You know, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. the accommodate, not the accommodations, but the, the facilities and just the way they take care of their team. So there's a hundred, I mean, fans don't notice this, but there's literally dozens or a hundred different things that every team decides on the meals that they have the type of bus you get to the airport the airline you fly uh your meals the day of games like there's these all these little little small things that every team does differently and it's kind of known which teams are willing to make the investment and do them better no i i absolutely i absolutely agree i mean we'll, we'll hear like you know some stories you know oh this is a facility then uh, this is an awesome brand new facility that was made and then you'll like go look at another team's facility and be like, yikes, like, I can't believe you guys are in the same league. Uh, yeah, stuff, totally. stuff, stuff, stuff kind of like, stuff kind of like that. I feel like I have that question all the time or that discussion with some buddies all the time. Like, Hey, how can, how is this team in the same league as this team? It honestly blows my mind, but I wanted just your, your thoughts on the CCL being broadcasted on Yahoo sports. I think it's actually like a really good deal. I mean, at first I was like, Oh, it's, it's on TV only in Spanish. They have an English rights partner, but it's it's really easy to maneuver between and uh, like I I think cord cutting is you know a huge part of future as everyone's been saying I don't know if Jake agrees with me on that one but uh, I I I think uh, I I think it's actually a, a pretty good deal but I mean but what do you think of it Yeah mm, it was I if it had been on the app I don't understand why why they didn't just run it I don't know enough about Yahoo it, it can't it can't Chromecast from the app right like. You can't like you can't uh, yeah, cast not, it. Well, yeah, you you can, but why not just put it straight into the app? Like, why not just do that directly? Is what I didn't understand. I mean, there is a Yahoo app, so why would I have to Chromecast it through my phone? Um, right, right. That, yeah, I liked it, man. It, it was free for everyone. It was relatively easy to access. I thought the quality was good. I thought that guy that like did the games by himself was was good. Uh, yeah, I, I I don't have any strong feelings on it, except that I'm glad it was free and easily accessible to anybody that wanted to watch. Well, Bobby, let, let's bring it back to just overall CONCACAF Champions League play. I mean, do you foresee an MLS team actually winning it? And, and I think it's a little bit funny that out of the three MLS teams that have made it to finals, it's two have been Canadian-based teams. So they actually represent Canada, and the lone U.S. Yeah. team is RSL, and that was several years ago where you could almost argue there was a whole different competition then. Yeah, so... For sure, an MLS team is going to win it at some point. I'm in the camp that winning it is cool and fun, but not a magnanimous turning point. You know, I think it's more important that MLS teams ship away at, like, the semifinals regularly and making the finals regularly. I mean, here's the thing about finals, and especially if you watch Toronto. I mean, Toronto is the best example. Finals are just weird occurrences, right? It's like a single one-off. I'm also in the belief that, like, if you define any player, any team by championships, one, you don't deserve to be in the conversation about sports. You know, like a single game or a single series has so much randomness that it shouldn't define that it shouldn't make 
big statements about anything. Um, and it's more important to just consistently chip away near the top. Um, you know, which MLS isn't really doing right now either, at least this year. It's not like this appears to be a step forward. Um, but yeah, I'm just, I'm in the camp that'd be awesome if they want it, but it's not this big thing. And if you've been around MLS for the 24 years, there are a whole bunch of things where it's like, this is the turning point. This is such a big thing. And like never is. Um, and it's just the truth about life that you have to chip away. Bobby, one last, uh, one last one here before we let you go here. Uh, my boy, Steven, couple of weeks ago said the uh, Houston Dynamo were best set up to make the deepest run in the No, uh, I, now you're putting CCN. words in my mouth. Oh. You're putting <laughs> words. You, I, you... Steven, I'm with you. Oh my god. Well then I can't oh even, my... I, oh, oh, then never mind. Never Bobby. mind. I'm with Bobby. Yeah, let's no, go. Sorry, I'm going to I'm going to quantify or qualify, but uh let's finish finish off the, the statement. I was going to tell you to tell him that he was preposterous for thinking that, <laughs> but I guess you agree with him, so now that that kind of ruined it for me. I mean, it's this is a really weird – I think everything around Major League Soccer right now has this, like, Atlanta asterisk. We're really the right answer, like, truly log- logical, honest answer at almost any question is Atlanta or Joseph Martinez or PT. Right? If you just <laughs> – if you eliminate – if you eliminate the desire to try and find – because if you make any prediction, you make any statement, you're taking liberties, right? And you have to be honest with yourself on which liberties of the glass half full, glass empty on any team or any player you're taking – and if you're not in a desire to find the glass half full on everyone else more so than Atlanta, then you have to say that Atlanta is the right answer to any question. Supporter Shield, Champions League, right? Like they just have the 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 highest end players, the highest end coach, the highest end fan base, the most ability to spend money to like improve their, you know, and, and scout. Um, so once you have that quantifier, we're like, yeah, Atlanta is probably the best. Um, Houston is a really good answer to can MLS like who is the most likely of the other teams just because the way they're set up you know you have those three guys like if Elise Monotas and Kyoto show up and to be fair it's been a long ass time since they properly showed up the three of them and like put in a performance I mean you could argue back to the 2017 playoffs Um, but if those three show up and they stay tight defensively like that's a team that could uh, you know like cause problems and beat anyone so I'm perfectly okay with the fact that the Houston is the best suited outside of Atlanta. Well, I, I definitely agree. I thought they they could be that plucky team that you know not ne- doesn't necessarily flare, but they they're gonna hold tight at the back and they're gonna break and they're gonna score and then they're gonna be able to hold it through. But I I know we we said one last question, but out of the four remaining teams who are all down on the aggregate, who do you foresee actually getting uh, making uh, the comeback in the second leg? Sporting Kansas City. Yeah. And. I'm going to make this without – I hope it doesn't take in a disrespect to Independiente or disrespect to Aridiano or these clubs that always surprise us in Champions League. But SK, like, if you watched Atlanta smash Aridiano, if you watched Toronto thoroughly outplay Independiente in a horrible field in Toronto, and who knows what that scoreline would have been in the first half if that field was better, like SKC is just a better team. They're coming back to play on a real soccer surface in front of their home crowd. Um, I would be absolutely shocked if SKC didn't go through. Um, and that's why I point out that their first, that their first round performance was exactly the way a, a Champions League series should be run, right? Like you don't need to win on that horrible turf at Independiente. You don't need to win after that travel, rotating your team. Like stay alive, understanding that you probably are at least, at least two goals better than this team at home. Um, so I would say in order – I don't know. Maybe there is no order after SKC. Um, <laughs> but maybe maybe Houston? 
is next. I don't know. I like Red Bulls a lot, but like, do they even have enough attackers to score three goals or two goals on a road game? I don't know. No, no hope for Atlanta. I don't. know. What was the final score of Monterey Tigres last night? Did anybody know? I could. Like, I wanna, were there a bunch I, of injuries? I want to say it was one uh, zero. Uh, I mean, it was one one. Sorry, one one. It was one one uh, at some, at one point. Yeah, it, it was one. It, it ended one one. Yeah. One one. And there weren't like nineteen injuries in that game. Uh, <laughs> I don't think so. I think and both this, teams this, they played full strength lineups. So. And this is the other point that's so, and I, most people didn't don't remember this or didn't acknowledge it. This is the infuriating part about Atlanta and Houston, not just managing the last ten minutes. That Tigres and Monterey played each other in the classical Regia or Regio. I apologize for not getting that right. This weekend, like they had to freaking play each other. Whoever wins that game is top of the table in Liga, Liga MX. They were gonna beat each other up, making like either they have to rotate or go into Wednesday a little tired. I don't. That that made me even more frustrated with the fact that those teams couldn't lock down like one nothing losses. Uh, uh, but so yeah, SKC is the best hope. And after that, I don't know, man. I think any of the three would be a, a miracle. That would be fun to see. A, I mean, look, we, we see it in UEFA Champions League all the time, these miracle comebacks. Roma against Barca last season, United against PSG, and, and these are world-class clubs. So in the game of football, anything's possible, right? <laughs> something, something cliche like that. You're something cliche like that. <laughs> You're not wrong. I'll give you that. Yeah, well, let's hope. We can hope at least. Yeah, it's not happening. Sorry. It's, it's not. I don't think it's gonna happen. Well, Bobby, th- thank you for jo- thank you for joining us today. You know we have our shameless plug. Go ahead and just plug away where you can find all your work, where you can see you talk about all your tactics for MLS. Plug away. Thanks, guys. The only thing I would say is that every Sunday we have the Match Day Central Review Show. That's kind of the new thing this year. It's a kind of a match of the day weekend recap, um, a little bit of tactical analysis, a little bit of storylines. In touch with the touchscreen. So if you're looking for a total MLS recap, um, Sundays around nine, sometime between nine and ten um, on all MLS channels. Yeah, I watched that. That was that. I like that a lot. I think it's a really good product. I have to say, good luck. Thank with that. you. But I really enjoyed. Watching we feel it. good about. It. We've we've taken some. Yeah, thank you very much. We've taken our lumps along the way as we try to improve in the last year, but we're getting there. Thanks for having me, guys. Well, there you have it, friend of the show, Bobby Warshaw. Great guy, great insight. Uh, fellas, let's just continue what we talked at the end there. Um, is it really Sporting KC most likely to move on? Yes. Houston is not as good as Tigres, and they're about to go on the road. Atlanta's deficit, I think, is too much. Monterrey is too good to be down 3-0. Even Atlanta's probably the best teams in MLS. Monterrey is on another level. Red Bull, I don't think it's just you know what makes me mad because I wanted them to you know win CCL and had them going the furthest, but I guess I'm an idiot because uh, Red Bull just figures out ways to lose games that they should win like 90% of the time. It has to be SKC. All they need is one goal. They're at home. They're they're gonna be playing a nice, I would say, not maybe rotated squad today, but maybe more of a you know I think they're looking towards the game against uh, CAI Independiente and they're gonna be like, hey, look, we're gonna go all in on this one. Um, in a stronger lineup, at home, you have to favor SKC over uh, the Panamanian side. Yeah, SKC is the only team that's going to advance in MLS. Uh, 
New York Red Bulls and Houston down 2-0 each going back to Mexico. That's not going to work out for them very well. Uh, Monterey, 3-0 all over Atlanta. Uh, I think there's some concerns in Atlanta right now. I think people should be uh, paying attention to. SKC coming back to Kansas City down 2-1. They should be able to get a 2-0 result and move on. We'll, we'll, we'll see. But I think, I uh, think there's a let, surprise coming. There will be a surprise. You, a Some, surprise. A surprise will happen. It could be. So, sip- so here's Jake. Who's the surprise? You know what surprise is? Houston wins 3-0. That's, that's, that's what Steven wants. Yeah, I mean, that would Steve be great. <laughs> That'd be great for my take. But, uh, hey, maybe Sporting KC lose. I don't know. That could Ooh. be a surprise. Ooh, that's I mean, a hot take right there. I'm just saying there's a surprise. Either somebody comes back. Is it a surprise if Sporting KC move on? No. So you can't say that's a surprise. What would be a surprise if they lose? It's a surprise as Atlanta wins 4-0 behind a four-goal performance from Pity Martinez. <laughs> yeah, that would be that would be wonderful. That would be I mean, crazy. would that be a would that be I mean, maybe that wouldn't be a surprise. Maybe more a surprise would be like if they scored, if they scored four goals, like three of them came from like Michael Parkhurst. That would be like, oh no, wow! I, I, like, who cares oh. who scores the goal? The, the result would be the surprise. It's who moves on. It's like Manchester United beating PSG. That was a surprise. Who cares who got the goals? I care. So, listeners, follow us on the Twitter machine at UncSamSoccerPod. If you haven't, go back and listen to the archives. We have interviews across a wide range of soccer topics including USL, MLS, abroad. So go back and check that out. Follow us on Twitter at Pod Again, at Armakafai, at Jake Petroba, at Steven Jodderand. And we'll be back tomorrow. The Starlight Lounge presents An Evening with the Progressive Box. The moon, yeah. That's Hugo, tickling the ivories. He just saved by bundling home and auto with Progressive. Gonna finally buy a ring for that gal of yours, Hugo? Send her my condolences. Hi-oh! This next one's for you, too. There's a burglar in my heart. Thank you. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Discounts not available in all states or situations. Right now, you can get both Sprint's Unlimited plan and the iPhone XR with its amazing camera included for just $35 per month per line for five lines. All you need is approved credit and 24-month installment billing. No trade-in required. Visit a Sprint store, Sprint.com, or call 800-SPRINT-1. Phone $15 a month after monthly credit supplied within two bills. If canceled early, remaining balance due. Unlimited basic after 630 pay $32 a month per line with auto pay. Data deprioritization during congestion. Speed maximums, use rules, and restrictions apply. 